There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry. Those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Captivity can go far beyond the companies you represent. It starts between your ears and its impact is felt in every corner of your business. We're all about helping agency principals and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. If your goals are big enough, you're going to have to get uncomfortable to be able to reach them. Our team at RiskWell is living this out every single day. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and everything I learn along the way. We deliver relevant, tactical, and actionable content from industry peers, innovative partners, and a variety of leaders from other business verticals. We're not holding anything back. There's no upsell, no guru pitch, and no fluff. It's time to unshackle yourself from captivity and make your freedom jump with the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. Hey folks, welcome back to the Agency Freedom Podcast. We help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. My guest for this episode is Mr. Cyrus Jaffrey from Omaha, Nebraska, and we are going to get all the way into very different topics crammed into one episode. Uh, this is going to be quite the ride, uh, I am sure. Cyrus wears a lot of hats, as we're going to get into. He has made the very most of his 168 hours in each week, um, so I'm just going to jump straight to it and and welcome him here and get after it. This is going to be a packed episode, so uh, yeah, for those of you listening at 1.5x, like I've heard from a lot of folks that you like to listen to your podcast sped up, maybe not the best episode to to listen to the sped up version. You may want to slow it down to like 1.2x or something like that. But <laughs> Cyrus Jaffrey, thanks for joining me, man. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate you having me, man. It's an honor to be here. I listened to you. I followed you, man. It's uh, first of all, it's our first time meeting. So nice to meet you. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this episode. Man, I love finding out the timing of everything when it lines up so perfectly and how cool to discover that you and I both had a freedom jump, you from Big Red and yeah. me from Farmer's Land, and that that freedom jump happened literally one month apart on the calendar uh, back in 2019. Apparently, 2019 was a big year for freedom jumping, man. Uh, a lot of folks I've met along the way made that jump in 2019, including our, our mutual friend Bradley Flowers and lots of other people that we've had on the show so, man, Cyrus, I really appreciate your valuable time. I'd love to just learn more about you as a person, who who you are, what you're about, uh, and give you a platform to just you know share your values, what makes you tick, what your why is, and we'll get into the professional stuff in a little bit. Yeah, hey, I uh, thanks, man. So, yeah, Cyrus Jaffe, man, I'm originally from Afghanistan, man. I was two years old when our uh, I put a, I threw a bombshell at you right away. You're like, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, didn't so know I'm that. From, Love it. I, I, I'm leaning I'm forward from, to my chair now, man. Let's go. <laughs> I'm, I'm from Afghanistan, man. I was two years old when I, uh, when basically our house got bombed, the Taliban came over to take over in the early nineties and they pretty, literally bombed our house. My mom and I, and, and our siblings kind of got away, went to Pakistan for 12 years and moved here in 2002 as a refugee and, uh, knowing no English, a single mom, five, five siblings. And uh, that was the journey for us, man, to the U.S. And we moved here in 2002. And obviously, you know what happened, 9-11, 2001. Uh, pretty tough time to be here uh, from Afghanistan or any of those countries, right? So just dealt with a ton of adversity, man, kind of fought through it. 
and went over to college, went to Nebraska Wesleyan University, and then went right afterwards. I met my wife now, and her dad was in the uh, big red country working as an agent, uh, State Farm for for, for many years. And I kind of walked into his house and I was like, what do you do for a living? This is a nice house on a 16th hole of a nice country club with a pool and all that. And I was like, man, I'm going to do that. Literally kind of put my mind into it, man, and became became an agent at State Farm. I have three kids, man, six, four, and two. So I'm in the grind of uh, mm. of the early kiddos, man. And I have so much fun with those guys, man. Life is awesome, man. Uh, my wife and I have been together for 12 years. And we've been in Nebraska for about 20 years that we've been here, man. So that's a little bit about my background personally. Dude, the similarities are wild. Not the the fleeing from war-torn Afghanistan Uh, part, (laughs) but where you are now, you know, your kids' ages, very similar to mine. My wife and I have been together for, you know, married for almost 13. It's 12 and a half years now. It's it's crazy. But I'm very interested to hear about the backstory Nebraska is not exactly known as a, a real d- diverse and you know mm-hmm. inclusive part of the country. You came into America at obviously a really really tumultuous time, very difficult for us, kind mm-hmm. of finding our our legs after getting punched in the mouth uh, with all the events of nine eleven, uh, being under attack and everything. What was that like for you growing up as a person of of Arab heritage? Uh, yeah. growing up in, in, in another country, learning the language, adopting all the culture and everything like that. Talk about that if you don't mind, like what your experiences were, you know, finding your place in, in America. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to, I look at, I look back now and I could say, oh, it's easy. Like, like, look at me now. I've got a family. I've got a great house. And what else do you need, man? Fun family, a, a roof over your head, uh, pay your bills. Yeah. Like, it wasn't that easy, man. And I'd be lying to you if I sat here and I said everything was, was just fine because it wasn't, man. So uh, we all have to find our path. And, and sometimes God leads you in different ways to get you where you want to be. And he's going to put you through a ton of adversity, man. But at the end of the day, um, he's got a plan and we all got to gotta stick with the plan and things are going to work out just fine. So that's how I look at life. And that's how I've looked at it since I was 14 years old, moving here um, in a tough time. Man, I could tell you, uh, the N word. Uh, I could tell you. I could the sand N word. I should say. I could tell you a terror. They've called, been called terrorist. I've been called man. Ton of things in that first two to three years when we moved here. Um, but I, I, at the end of the day, man, like I don't go back and like some of those people honestly like are now like in my circle, and and I don't blame them. I blame their parents, right? So like me and you have young kids. And it's our responsibility to raise those young kids and teach them the values and what to say and, and what to do. And, and so I don't blame those guys, man. And I blame, honestly, their parents for, uh, for not stepping up and, and educating those people with things that are happening in the world today. We have to do a good job of that. So, so our toughest job, James, man, it's not to build a multi-billion dollar, million dollar valuation for our books and all that. Our job is to make the society better, man, by raising good human beings. So it was tough for yeah. me. But at the same time, uh, it has taught me a lot of things, man, that I take to life today. And, uh, and knowing that like what happened to you was a, if it didn't happen to you, would I be the person I am today? Uh, I don't know if I could say I would be. So everything happens for a reason, uh, but it was tough. And there are, there are two sides of this, right? So I would tell you, my older brother uh, is uh, 37, 38 years old. He took it a lot harder because he got made fun of as well. And he took it to heart. Um, and, uh, 
he's on a different path. He's unfortunately disabled in my mom's basement because of some of the life choices that that he made from what happened to him and how the society treated him. So so my thing to you and all the listeners is like um, when life kind of tries to punch you, you can either stand up and punch it back or you can keep taking the punch and try to figure out how to uh, how to get through it potentially. So two sides of it. I've seen both sides um, and I wish those things didn't happen because maybe my brother would be here. He's a great human being, great dude. And he's not. And a lot of that honestly falls on that. So um, I mean, that, it's tough, but uh, but we all get through it. It, when I look at my path in in the times of growth, the times of stagnation and relative comfort, and when I've been able to take ground and advance towards you know bigger objectives and whatnot, it's consistent, man. There's a trend that growth, improvement comes in times of adversity, in times of struggle. And it seems like you've had a lot of opportunities to practice your approach, the way that you think about and rationalize these terrible things that have happened to you, like someone bombing your home, having to flee your home country, live in a country that historically has had a lot of animosity with uh, Afghanistan, Pakistan and Afghanistan are next door neighbors. And they typically don't get along very well. There, there's mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of hatred going both ways there. And then you move to a different country entirely, new language, new challenges. You're called lots of unkind words and your kid you're dealing with all the teenage stuff that every teenager deals with of mm-hmm. not feeling like you belong in your own skin, much less in the city that you live in. Mm-hmm. What is your approach? What's your philosophy? Your and I know faith is really important to you, so feel yeah. free to go there if you want to. There's freedom uh, in that uh, regard on this podcast. You can you can talk about whatever you want. How do you endure these struggles with so much success? Because you broke the bell curve. You yeah. have gone through all those horrific things. And now you're, like you said, all the positive things. You have a nice house. You have a, a, a wife and a, a family and a business. And what you said before we started recording, over 100 people in the yeah. organizations that you're helping lead. How do you get to that point, dealing with such incredible odds? Yeah. Yeah. I, dude, honestly, it's a great question because if there was one answer, I'd give it to you because I've read literally every book. Uh, that there is. I'm a junkie of podcasts and books and, 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 and everything that, that I want to, what I look at this, I guess, to answer your question is, I look at it as I wake up every day, man. It's just how do I win that day? Like, I don't think of what's going to happen four years ago, five years, five years from now, or a year from now, or whatever. I wake up every day and I just wake up and say, okay, so are the four buckets full filled for me, right? So the number one bucket, like me and my wife, right? That's the most important relationship because if that's not right, Everything else is going to kind of go south sideways. Me and my me and my kids' relationship. My kids tell me when they don't get enough time from me, and and I know that, and I know what I need to do. And then the business buckets, right? The professional buckets. What is what does that kind of look like? And then your physical well being, right? Um, what does that look like? Going to the gym, running, whatever that is, taking care of your body. So like, I feel like I wake up every day. I try to hit those four buckets with one or two different things, and just get through the day, man. So like. I never envisioned having a hundred people organization, never envisioned have the things I have today uh, because I just took it day by day. And I know that's not the answer that you're looking for, but but it's something that has worked for me is because I don't look at anything past uh, June 13th or whatever today, June 14th, 20, 2023, uh, because it's nothing I can control. And if I can control it, if I can't control it, why waste time uh, thinking about it? Man, I couldn't argue with that. You know, one day at a time, getting 
everything that you can from that day and win the day and then wake up tomorrow and win tomorrow. Love it. Man, that's fantastic. So you go through this process of, of maturation. You, you find yourself in Nebraska and then uh, your girlfriend's dad uh, at the time is uh, an agent for State Farm. How did the process of entering the insurance world come about? You know, when you went through the the decisions, did you look at other companies or did you just go straight to Big Red? Because that's that's the flavor that you knew at that time. Yeah, looking back, man, to all my captive friends, independent friends, if you haven't done the captive world, man, do the captive world. If you want to stick in the personal lines or even commercial, man, like it's so, so awesome to learn how to sell value, man. If you know how to sell value, then you come on this side on the independent channel, man, you're going to take off. Um, I, I, tr- I truly believe that. So it was the best thing that's ever happened to me is going that route. And I didn't even know any better. I was just like, hey, my father-in-law now obviously is a state farm agent. He tells me great things. They're all over the, they're all over, they're all over the news, right? So they're all, every commercial, everywhere you look, basketball, football, whatever, they're there. So I'm like, okay, so, so these guys pretty much sold it for me because they got a good brand. Um, I know a lot of people, you know, I'm really social and all of that stuff. I know people, people need legally need insurance. So it's not a product like a life insurance to where like, I have to go, you know, and be like, you do come on, you buy this life insurance. It's a product you legally need. So I'm like, if people, yep. if people trust me, people trust me, they like me, they want to do business with me. They like and trust the national news because this, this, the state farm is all over. It was honestly me being lazy. I mean, like, why would I not do that? Because I can pretty much sell it to anybody, right? So that's pretty much how it all started uh, in, in, in 2014. Is 2013 mm-hmm. is when I got into it. Is is, is that way? And, and and we had a lot of success. 30th in the country uh, in 2016, 17. Um, and you come to a point at that point where you're like, ah, what's next? And to me, man, like when I wake up every day and it doesn't excite me. I, I don't feel right. You know, the four buckets that I was telling you about, that third bucket, yeah. which is the business piece of it, I'm super competitive. Uh, all that stuff is good, but I just didn't wake up uh, excited about it. And I don't know what it was, man. It was just God's way of telling me, hey, man, I think you need a change and it's going to be the best thing that's ever happened to you. So I, I'm reading between the lines here and there's a couple of interesting little wrinkles I want to dig into if you're down for it. Yeah, let's do you, it. Uh, you come in. And you have this chat with your girlfriend's dad at the time. And from what you just said, I'm guessing you joined his agency as a producer and were there for a while. Is that accurate? Uh, he actually didn't hire me. He said I wasn't good enough yet. He goes, hey, you need a, a year or two more of maturing. Uh, and I was like, all right. So I went directly to a state farm. I said, hey, like um, 23, 24 years old, whatever at the time. Uh, I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm at Wells Fargo at this time working as a personal banker doing some mortgages. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, I want to be a State Farm guy. And they denied me three times. Uh, not enough. And I tried again. And I'm one of those guys, man, like, I won't give up. I'm one of those guys that like, if I like something, if I put my mind towards something that I want to accomplish, dude, it took me six months to get a date with my wife now. Like, she just didn't want to give me the time of the day. Like, I asked her hundreds of times. And now we're married, you know, 12, 13 years, three kids. And uh, and so I'm, I'm just, I'm just grown that way, I guess. I just, I just come from that background that like, I've had it all, man. And if I want something, you just got to keep trying. So I did. And, um, but I became an agent right away. And, and it's funny because he was in my market, obviously, you know, you know, State Farm, he was the number one, number two agent. And we came into town and uh, kicked his butt for four, four or five years in a row. I'm like, remember when you didn't want to hire me? And now we're just kicking your butt. So. 
<laughs> it was kind of funny. What is it? What is it like at Thanksgiving? Because I I have a, a wonderful relationship with my father in law now. He he is he is a, a dear friend and a mentor, and, and definitely has become you know. I call them my parents by marriage. Like he's not my father-in-law. He's my second dad as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But he and I have never worked together or in the same space. And there's there's a certain amount of friction that's inherent to any father-in-law, son-in-law relationship because you married his little girl. And mm-hmm. there's just some things that will never be totally kosher because you're the idiot who married my daughter. Like mm-hmm. at some level, and I say yeah. that as the dad of a daughter, like, <laughs> I know at some point I will have a son-in-law and yeah. I will treat him as my son. Yeah. And it's like, hey, you married my daughter, you're now part of my family. But at a certain level, you're still the guy who married my daughter and I'm not okay that you're sleeping with my daughter. Uh-huh. And you know, all those dad things, you know, I, I haven't gotten there yet, so maybe other dads who have uh, been through that can advise me on the air of my ways, whatever. But what's your perspective on the whole professional, personal relationship thing when your father-in-law, at that point, your girlfriend's dad, is doing the same exact thing you're doing in the same market? Like, what was that like? I bet you there's some really interesting stories there. Yeah, good question, man. He is, he, he he's my mentor, man. I've never, like, I haven't had a dad since, like, I mean, my dad never came. He's still in Afghanistan. He runs a restaurant. He ran a restaurant for a while. And now he's getting really old. He kind of is the old mentality. So my dad never came. So he kind of became like my dad, man. So I kind of leaned on him for a lot of uh, stuff that I didn't know. Um, And he kind of caught me into the industry. Uh, But I'm one of those guys, man. I mean, from our conversation, you would know, like, I just figure things out, man. Like, if I have an interest in it, um, I do the research and all of that stuff to get into it. So we really kind of got off on a, a, first of all, we got off on a good path right away. Like he, he, we really enjoyed our company, but as we got into competition, like the first month he beat me, I remember after the second month, like he never beat me as far as numbers go. And State Farm is really big on counting applications, like home auto umbrella, whatever it's one, two, three applications. He never beat us after that ever. So he still talks about it, but he was almost like proud of me. Cause like, he was always that guy. He was always like, he was, there was never competition. It was always like, man, I'm so proud of you. Keep doing it. Get to 300, get to 400 apps or whatever that they called it. So he was always, he's very, he was very appreciative of what I was doing uh, because he knew he was a very, very hard worker. He's a, he's a Hispanic descent. So he's from Mexico, but he was born in, born in, born in uh, Kearney, Nebraska here. I uh, grew up with nothing, man. So he grew up kind of like me, very poor. And he was a very, very hard worker. So when he saw how hard worker I was, uh, we really connected at a very, very deeper level than even him and his son, because his son grew up wealthy. And like I grew up with dirt and he grew up with dirt. So we had this connection of Mm. we almost like every day we wake up, we got to prove ourselves. And like him, he doesn't have to prove himself anymore because he's a very, very wealthy guy now. But for me, I did that. So he saw a little bit of himself in me. So he was a very good mentor to me encouraged me all the time. When I was down, man, he was there picking me up and everything. So our relationship was great, man. And it's still one of the best relationships I have as far as a mentor go. Very interesting that it played out that way. And also that you both were able to have a kinship on some of the hardships of dealing with being an ethnic minority in a predominantly white society and, and you know, part of the country with it being Nebraska and everything. Had a, a really just impactful conversation uh, with Alex DePazzo, a 
a few months ago, it stuck with me just the the inherent grittiness that people that are from ethnic minorities in America, they come to the conversation well-practiced in mental toughness and grit because mm-hmm. you wear your minority status. It's literally the skin on your body. Mm-hmm. And every day you're practicing that grittiness, that mental toughness, mm-hmm. that resilience because of your racial and ethnic minority status in America. And that was a, an angle that I hadn't really thought about until Alex said it. It was like, you know, so many people, almost everybody that I know in the in- insurance world who's an ethnic minority they're just really, really gritty, get after it kind of people, like just hustlers, cold-blooded killers, as we say in the mm-hmm. killing commercial world, which is definitely a compliment for sure. Uh, how cool that you and your father-in-law were able to, to share that side of life experience as well. Uh, I bet there's a lot of good stories at the, the Thanksgiving dinner table. We have a, a relatively short amount of time left, and there's several things that I want to get into um, the exit from Big Red, from State Farm, what was that like for you? you? You come into insurance from the Big Red flavor. You've never really seen anything else in the insurance world. What is it about your experience that made you go, man, I'm, I'm not really happy here anymore. I think there's something more for me in the insurance world. And what made you want to start looking over the fence? Yeah, I think the biggest two years of my life, 2017 and 18, professionally, we grew by like a hundred cars, like a hundred cars and insurance people would know this, right? Like, cause in the, in the, yeah. in the, in the captive world, you, you grow by how many cars, how many fire policies they called at home. Like not a hundred cars. And we were riding, man. Like we were riding two, 300 policies, but I was losing 25% of the business on the back. Right. So as your book grows as fast as we were growing, losing 25% on the back, like every year, it's basically you're just going the same circle over and over and over. And I just didn't see myself growing with, 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 with State Farm. It just was not any way I looked at it. I could have hired 20 more team members. Just losing 25% of your business is insanity, man. And I realized when my son was born, I was, when, I, when I started with State, I was 23, 22, 24 years old. My son was born. I'm probably, oh gosh, I don't know, third, 20, 31, I believe, 30. Um, he's four years old. And that day, man, like I, it, it, something clicked, something about a legacy, you know, like as you read things, like what I say this all the time, and this is no disrespect to state farm agents or farmers agents or whatever. If you want to, if you want to be wealthy, you could sure, sure do that with, with where you're at because of other things you're going to do like real estate or investments or whatever as a captive agent. But if you want to bring, if you want to make generational wealth, if you truly want to build generational wealth for your legacy for years to come, man, independent, independent is a hundred percent the way to go. And I saw that as I was digging into the numbers of selling your book at a multiplier, building it for your kids, if you wanted to pass it along. I couldn't do that at State Farm. And I honestly did not know that until I called. I'm like, hey, like my son's born. Like, if I want to obviously do that now, you can't do that. So the writing was on the wall. And I'm one of those guys, man, like I've got, I want a Jaffrey last name to stick around for a very long time. I want my grandkids to have some kind of, some kind of play in this, in this insurance world uh, and, and grandkids as grandkids and all of that stuff. So, so for me, it was generational wealth, a decision I, I made. Uh, and, and looking back now, man, it was obviously the best decision I've ever made, but it's very, it was very, it was hard. I'm not going to sit here and say like one day I just pulled the trigger. I mean, we worked on it for a couple of years. It was in the back of my mind 
kind of branding ourselves, branding ourselves as CJ, 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 until finally the day came. So like everybody kind of knew what was CJ about. I thought you were state form. And then like we couldn't say anything until we pulled the trigger. So so we were working on it in the background, but the timing is so right. And that's why so many captive people have a hard time making those decisions of leaving because they're like, man, I make two, three, four hundred thousand. Like, why do I gotta leave, right? Um, and and they don't. And, and unfortunately, a lot of them don't have never, maybe they have never dealt with some things that I've dealt in the past to where I'm like, well, starting all over again is just another day in the Jaffrey world. So it was easier for me, I would say, but it still wasn't as easy as I wanted it to be. Hey, Freedom Jumper, are you looking to take your business to the next level? Who isn't, right? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they understand the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing marketplace. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique or outlandish they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and guidance you need to see your agency succeed, Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't just survive in the competitive insurance industry. Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Get started today. Learn more at nbsbrokerage.com. You know, I'm on your LinkedIn right now, and I'm I'm just going to ask a little bit of a clarification question because I see on here, there's CJ, of course, CJ Insurance Group, but there's also Fair Trust Insurance when it shows that you're still currently there. There's Axarbin. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Axarbin, yeah. But, and, yeah, and then there's NR Insurance as you know co-founder. But what are all of these different things? What? How? Help me make sense of the stuff that's going on here because it seems like you've got a fairly complex ecosystem happening. Absolutely, man. So, so we we have four verticals. Um, uh, one of our verticals, uh, it's our own agency, Jaffrey Insurance, organically grown in the market, been around for ten years. Same book of business from State Farm, kind of the people that wanted to stick with us, stuck with us. And that's our like Omaha, Nebraska, like we're known as the agency, the organic agency built from lenders, real estate agents, mm-hmm. financial advisors. So that's one side of it. And then CJ Insurance Group, man, a bunch of my friends called me, captive people when I left. How did you do it? I've been wanting to do it. I just don't know how. And we just said, hey, well, well we can help you, whatever. So it started out almost as like just to help a couple of agents. And now there's about 40 agents. Uh, from the captive world, five, six years of experience at a minimum is what we require. So it's kind of our, our aggregator side to call it. Um, that's CJ Insurance Group. That's kind of our aggregator side to where we give contracts out to those people under our umbrella. So that's our second side. Our third vertical, which is the NR, Exarbon, Fairtrust, Milestone. Gosh, there's there's 10 or 12 of them, two or three of them in the making, some with credit unions that we have partnered with. Um, so that side of it is a uh, a real estate uh, joint venture between us and brokerages across the country. So we go to big real estate companies as long as they do certain transactions on the buy side, and we open up insurance operations for real estate companies across the country. So that's what you see um, those uh, those over there. And then our last vertical, since now we have 40,000 quotes we're doing on the personal line side with all those verticals, um, we needed a technology to be able to simplify things and get us quotes fast. Uh, from the real estate and the mortgage world. So it's like an embedded insurance piece uh, with real estate and mortgage and credit unions is automation is the last piece of it. So yeah, so those four verticals is what we have started. 
So you have your own micro aggregator and and you said there's, you know, 40 or 50 members? Yes, sir. Yes, agencies. Fantastic. Yep. I had no, yep. I had no idea, man. Yeah. Love it. You were making the very most of your uh your shot. You you didn't just take one shot, you took four shots and all four of them are are currently successful. That is just fantastic. I I'm going to I'm going to take a moment here and switch gears and talk about quotamation because there's a lot of chatter in in the industry about insured tech and you know these vendors coming in whether it's a carrier or you know a vendor that comes alongside of an agency and performs some sort of task which quotamation falls in that mm-hmm. category and then earlier this year we heard of the announcement of our our friend Aubby Knight and others involved in in the big eye uh, mm-hmm. of North Carolina and others about the 101 Weston Labs, which is basically an InsureTech incubator, mm-hmm. uh, just like you would see maybe in Y Combinator out in Silicon Valley and in the, the tech side of things. But 101 Weston Labs is something that people in your organization with Quotamation are an active uh, participant in, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So so as we built Quotamation, I mean, it took a year and a half, honestly. I thought tech was easy, man. Gosh. Tech is the tough industry to be in, which is why I see why it, it, why it is, because now that we're in it for about a year and a half. So as we build quotation to simplify quoting, basically, quotation is simple, man. James Jenkins can go in, put in first name, last name, date of birth, address, vehicles pop up, addresses pop up, score footage of your house pops up, your build pops up, everything pops up. Because the way I see it, James, is to simplify things. People want fast. A lot of our insurance people are uh, millennials, Gen Zs, that's pretty much 90% of the business we do, man. It's first time home buyers, second time home buyers. They want things fast, man. There's no reason why it should take two to four hours for you to be able to quote somebody, call them back. They don't answer, call them tomorrow. They don't answer, follow up, blah, 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 going back and forth. And we wanted to create something, this one ecosystem to where you can get a quote in 30 to 45 seconds. Because here's what mortgage lenders, real estate agents, and insurance consumers need. Something quick. When they need something, they just want to see something. What would that rate look like for me to close on this house, right? So uh, we built that. So it's about eighty percent accurate. Built on built on Easy Links and other. Um, uh, it's basically integrated between Easy Links and all the carriers carriers uh, uh, websites. But um, but but Abby Knight and them came in because we were talking to a bunch of different um, obviously VCs because we needed some money to get this thing going. And gosh, man, we talked to hundreds of them. And we didn't bring anybody on board because we wanted to make sure it was a right fit and they have the right values as us. And 101 Western Labs, man, they're backed by independent agents. They're for independent agents and we are independent agents, right? So we built automation because we don't want the tech people to come into our industry and take all these relationships with the real estate companies, mortgage companies, banks, credit unions. I want independent agents to use automation or some kind of tech have their own tech piece almost to go do these relationships because the consumer needs education. And these tech companies are not given education. They're just signing somebody for the cheapest possible 2550 low coverages, low deductibles or $10,000 on homes. Client has no idea. And I hate that, man. So we have the same value. 101 Western Labs have the same value. We partner together uh, to get this product out, to give the power to independent agents, to use the embedded insurance tech piece to do these partnerships with their clients and with uh, other partnerships, joint ventures as well. My favorite thing about your story is the same thing that I've said with Peter McDonald at Wonderwrite, 
with the Glovebox guys, Ryan and Andy. I'm actually recording with Ryan tomorrow uh, for Glovebox. It's very different than a lot of other companies because you guys are insurance first and technology second. And I feel like when you weigh the two, figuring out insurance as an industry, as distribution, is way, way, way harder than figuring out tech. Because mm-hmm. with tech, it's nothing more than a tool because you're insure tech. Insurance is the foundation. The technology is what you know, makes things happen. Things do something with the tech. But it's born, it lives in insurance land. I feel like when some of these companies, and I'm not going to name names, but we there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. Many, many, many companies in the insure tech space have been founded by venture-backed or private equity-backed tech people mm-hmm. who see an opportunity in the insurance industry and they come into the insurance industry from outside. They're tech people that are trying to learn insurance on the fly. Mm-hmm. And so many of them have a really hard time finding traction. And then they end up deciding that the, the DTC play or embedded play isn't as profitable as they want mm-hmm. because distribution is really complicated in the insurance industry. Mm-hmm. And then they come with their tail tucked between their legs to the <coughs> retail agent distribution force and go, hey guys, you want to uh, you want to sell our product? <laughs> uh, you guys, you guys want to use us? Yeah. When they've been doing nothing but try to compete with us with a DTC or embedded play, or they have an in-house agency that they try to spin up on their mm-hmm. own, and then they realize, wait a second, we're tech people that are trying to play the insurance game. We don't really know what we're doing. Distribution is hard and complicated. But Quotimation was born in insurance. Yeah. And kind of like Bane from The Dark Knight Rises, my mm-hmm. you know one of my favorite quotes from any of those movies, you know, when Bane is talking to... T- so Batman is like, oh, you think darkness is your friend? <laughs> <laughs> I was born in the dark. <laughs> it's just like, you know the difficulty of insurance. You're born and bred. You, you come of age in the industry. And it's so much easier for you to pick up technology and run with it as opposed to coming in from outside of the industry and trying to learn insurance on the fly as you're standing up a company. I'm so glad to talk with folks like you that are doing it what I think is the right way. It's so much more effective than trying to come at it from outside. I would 100% agree, man. I was on a call with a very large insure, embedded insurance company and literally from their CEO, like, listen, if I could, we have, they have a hundred, it's a call center, like a, call it a progressive call center, whatever. hundred agents inside of there, all their leads flow to those agents. They write the policies or whatever. He goes, Honestly, if I could just wipe all those hundred away, I would do it in a heartbeat because that's the bottom line because they will save so much money if everything can be done online. But they're realizing, man, they need people, agents, more than they could ever. There's no, their retention rate is awful, awful. Like they can't, they can't keep a client more than six months because there's no relationship yep. and we're a relationship business, yep. man. Like, so we're like, you know what? We need these agents. And I, and I, and I encourage agents all the time. I'm like, Go find these relationships. We will teach you how to do the joint ventures. We've done 10 of these, like all the RESPA stuff, compliance stuff, DOI stuff. Like go find the relationship, come to me and I'll help you with that. And there are other people in this industry that will help you with that to be able to, you be the face. Do not let the tech people. So I'm in this like uh, thing trying to figure out how we can get independent agents to, 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 to kind of wake up a little bit almost to say, hey, listen, there are some people trying to take your job, right? And it's our job now to stand up and say, listen, man, like we're going to fight 
and, and we are going to use this technology and it's automation or whatever that is. It doesn't have to be automation, but find a way to be in front of those big credit unions, banks. Because here's what I, one thing I would tell you. Every real estate broker, every mortgage company, every financial advisor, accounting firm, they're having talks or they have already started an insurance thing. So like, why not have the independent agents be go to them and do a joint venture with them potentially because we know we can give the right education to the clients instead of these tech companies. Love it. So what does that look like with the standing up of these micro agencies inside of, uh, of other offices? We've all run into the RESPA conversation yeah. where the lender thinks that they're contractually or compliance required to give three insurance agent referrals, mm -hmm. which is definitely not true. Uh, that's not at all how RESPA works. It's I'm not an attorney, first off, but RESPA is, was not at all like that. The, the whole point of RESPA was to avoid slamming and cramming and giving the consumer something that they didn't realize they were getting. That's the whole point, is to avoid improper business activities where there was referral relationships that were happening without the consent of the consumer. And obviously, if an agent is doing it the right way, they are receiving consent to have someone third party and they're getting the, the loan officer or the credit union or whatever to include something in their disclosure documents that allows the channel partner to pass someone's data along to us to make things happen faster. I know I'm getting mm -hmm. a little bit in the weeds of the mm -hmm. stuff that you guys do. How do you have that conversation with someone, a loan officer or a credit union or whatever? And you know, feel free to edit some of your process or not giving away the, the, yeah. the really secret sauce. How in the world do you start the conversation with people that throw the RESPA flag instantly and go, oh, we can't do that. We have to send three. Yeah, no, great, great question, man. So for, so for us, man, we spend, gosh, probably close to thirty to 50000 on attorney fees, making sure, first of all, we have the right RESPA attorney. And then second of all, exactly how to do it, right? So we have those conversations and dude, I'm not dealing with mortgage officers or real estate agents or like I'm dealing with the CEO of the mortgage companies or the real estate companies, the main broker, people that can basically influence those mortgage lenders and real estate agents. Because what I would say RESPA is worried about is those onesie, twosie insur uh, real estate people or mortgage lender that are kind of like passing out insurance information for the client back to this agent that's going to give them $150 on the back end. Don't do that. Like the fastest way to get into trouble is to do things like that, right? So the best way to do it is have a formal relationship. RESPA says, dude, anybody can own an insurance agency, right? So there is no reason. Obviously, you got to pre-qualify for some of those things. But like you don't have to have a license to have an insurance, to, to own an insurance agency. RESPA requires a person who is licensed is the only person that's talking to the uh, insured, educate them on coverages and all that stuff bind a policy and you're good to go. And then just make sure the disclosures are, are, are corrected. But I think RESPA is more worried about those onesie twosies that's happening underneath, like the bigger stuff, way more than the bigger people like us coming in and saying, going to a people that have a thousand real estate agents, going with the CEO, going into a formal relationship, hiring two to three insurance agents that have licenses. Don't get the information from those clients. Why do you need... All you need is a phone number and an address. Mr. Client, I heard you are closing on a house. We would love to help you. We're with Nebraska Realty Insurance with Nebraska Realty Brokerage. 
get all the information from the client. Don't get all the data from the back because that's where it's kind of like gray area. So we have to figure out what's the white and black area. Let's stay there. Forget about anything gray. We just don't want to mess with. Hmm. Love that, man. Now, you and I need to have a, an offline conversation with, on the, the RESPA attorney engagement and whatnot. This is something that we've been doing behind the scenes for about six months now, and it definitely has some legs on the commercial side yep. of things, not yep. at, at all on the personal side. But there's several categories of channel partners that we've identified as being excellent candidates for these you know, micro-agency joint ventures, as we call them. Yeah. Uh, it's just basically a, a turnkey operation that RiskWell would run from end to end. Yeah, there, there's a lot that uh, that needs to get talked about, I would imagine, totally offline, because a lot of people are sitting here going, we don't care, move on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not entertaining the masses yeah. with those sort of, you know, indulgent curiosity sort of conversations. You know, man, as we land the plane here uh, and be respectful of your time, get you back to your afternoon, uh, anything else we haven't talked about that you wanted to, to bring up? A any current events or or interesting little nuggets that we uh, we skipped over. You know what, man? We talked a lot. Of, uh, we talked about a lot of good things. Um, the only other one I would tell you is the whole family uh, life and work balance. I think a lot of people, if you look at the statistics on the divorce rate in the insurance world, it's astronomical. You know, and and I feel like I have an obligation, and and you have an obligation. I have an insurance uh, producers podcast that I have. And my job has pretty much become, hey, man, like there is a good work-life balance in our industry, and we all need, need to do a, a better job uh, of basically staying in that fine line of, of doing both of those at a very, very high level. There's no reason why you should be a shitty dad or a shitty husband because you want your business. Because uh, at the end of the day, man, my thing is when I'm on top of the mountain at one point, and I don't care what mountain it is. I just want to make sure I'm holding my wife's hand and my kid's hand and my team behind me saying, look what we did, not look what I did. Um, and I just encourage all the agents across, man, and all the producers to, 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 to keep that to heart, man, because money will come. Money will come in our industry. Money will come at one point. Work hard, uh, but, but don't forget what's really important because it's a pretty lonely place there, man, when you're there by yourself. Couldn't agree more. I am not at all interested in climbing a mountaintop and look getting to a summit and then realizing I'm standing there alone. There's no one to my left, to my right. There's no mm -hmm. one standing right behind me. I don't want that life. And it, I'm really glad to see that you've been able to find a balance, to find a, a complementary effort. You know, where as Brandon Smith in mm -hmm. Montana is really, really big on this exact topic. And he and I have talked about this several times over the last few years of, it's not a matter of work-to-life balance, it's a matter of complementing the different worlds, that your home life fulfills you, that you are in, you know, you're encouraged, you're built up, it is satisfying, that you are able to engage with your kids, engage with your wife, engage with your, your friend's circle in meaningful ways, so that when you leave home and you drive to the office, your cup is full and you're walking in the door satisfied and happy and in a mentally healthy place so that you're able to go in and just freaking crush it at the yep. office and knock down these goals and, and hit numbers and close deals and whatnot. So when you leave the office, your work life is complementing and supporting and propping up your home life and, and vice versa. The, the whole concept of balance, I think, is absurd. Yeah. 
Because it's never going to be 50-50. There will be seasons in life when work is dominant. There will be seasons in life like right now during the summertime. I'm working maybe maybe 30 hours a week. But I'm at home or doing something that's not work-related way more than I was a month ago. And that's totally okay. Because in this season of life, the non-work things are more important and more numerous. It makes up for... You know, February and March when I was working 60 hours a week. Oh, 100%, man. Like so, when my wife, my the hardest thing I had to do was convince my wife to leave State Farm back in the day in 2019 because she comes from State Farm. She's been there for all her life, traveled all over the world with State Farm. It was the toughest thing for me to do. And then at the end when she did say, yep, go ahead, she said, promise me that you will never be home past 430 and you will never work a Saturday or a Sunday. And you can go become an independent agent. And I was like, done. <laughs> and I have not broken that promise once, man, because I just schedule myself, man. Like I, I, I wake up at five in the morning, man, get to work. Like it's possible, right? People say, well, I don't have time. Well, well you have time. You make have time. time. If it's important to you, you'll make time. So make time for the things that matter because um, like I said, man, this, this today, I had a pretty off day at work. I would call it, I wouldn't call it a successful day. And I don't like that. But I know it now because I've done it long enough now. But the reason it was off was because we had a golf tournament. My golf, it's our eighth annual golf tournament on Saturday. So it's two o'clock. I didn't get home till like two in the morning because we went out afterwards. It's kind of once a year where we kind of let loose. And then I was kind of, you know, a little off on the next day. And then Monday I had a golf tournament with one of our organization for Sunshine for Kids Charity. So like I haven't really been around my house and like built that relationship with my kids and my wife for the last three days. And today I wasn't as strong. So I know as soon as I'm off this call, I'm going home, filling that bucket so tomorrow is not an off day. So that's important. Well, in that case, I better shut my mouth (laughs) and let you get out of this interview and get in the vehicle to go home to your family because I'm about 30 minutes away from doing the same thing as my wife has those same conversations with me about, hey, your butt better be home come dinner time. Man, this has been a lot of fun, Cyrus. I appreciate uh, you being willing to step off the beaten path and, and get more personal. As I have said, we are moving in that direction in the third year of this podcast. We're going to get more involved in, in the human side of things and, and talk more about the emotional and the, the psychological, the metaphysical, the spiritual, and have more in-depth conversations with folks that are coming on. Because at the end of the day, we don't need another insurance podcast. There are so many of them. But I think if we have a human podcast with an insurance flavor in, in the context of the industry, I think that's a lot more interesting and a lot more attractive that, that our listeners uh, are probably going to find more appealing because there, there's frankly, there's a lot of noise in the insurance podcast world. A lot of folks have come to the party. Uh, and, and last time I checked, you can only listen to one podcast at yeah. a time. If any of you have found out a way to listen to two podcasts simultaneously, please let me know because I want to hear about that. Um, but that's it, man. Any any last words for folks that want to get a hold of you that want to learn more about this JV stuff that you're doing or anything else? What's the best way to contact you? I would say, if he, man, I am open book, man. Uh, one of the biggest things that I missed from back State Farm to, to now Independent is, and I've done a bad job of this, is I don't have a ton of people I relied on when I first left in 19, 20, and 21 to where I can just call them like, James, I'm running into this, man. What do I do? Because we have done it, dude. I'm, it's my fifth year, uh, and it's your fifth year, and a lot of us are around, man. Like these newbies that are listening to this podcast, producers, captive people that want to leave, 
reach out, man. Trust me, we want to help, man. Like, and I'm calling people uh, that I want to get help from all the time. Like, you know, so, so, so reach out, man. We're all available to help. And, and, and this podcast was great, man. You're a good host. Uh, you're easy to talk to. Uh, you're, you're good, great questions, man. So I, I, I certainly appreciated my time with you. Awesome. That's very kind of you, man. I, I really am trying to be the, the Larry King of insurance <laughs> podcasting or something along those lines, or maybe even David Letterman, if I, if I'm allowed to go there. Cause I mean, Letterman was iconic, obviously. Yeah. I, I like that style, just lighthearted, conversational, and just real. I, I think it's more enjoyable to listen to. So he is Cyrus Jaffrey. He is the, the president and CEO of like 12 different <laughs> things. Go check him out on LinkedIn and uh, we'll put his contact information in the show notes. That's it for this episode. Make it a great day, boys and girls. We'll talk to you again real soon. Y'all take care. Thanks for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite platform to get automatic updates with every new episode and help other people find us. If you like what you hear, please drop us a review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share AFP with someone you know who is still in captivity. They'll thank you later. Visit our website at agencyfreedom.com to get access to exclusive content and announcements. Join our community on Facebook by typing in Agency Freedom in the search bar. Send your questions, comments, guest recommendations, and favorite grilling recipes to us at podcast at agencyfreedom.com. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. Until next time, let's go.